Shora, everyone. Peace. And welcome to the Cavern Today, Podcast 24, A New Page. This is Moag reporting. This month's broadcast will be a bit special, because it's aimed primarily at all of you new explorers. Whether you know it or not, this influx of new life in the Cavern and Ages is critically important to the success of Uru. For those of us who have been involved with Uru since the beginning, this is a rather odd time. While it's a bit disorienting to link into the cavern and see the age players list filled with strangers, we know that Uru is solely dependent on bringing in as many new explorers as possible, and so it's very exciting to see you all there. The Uru Live forums are filled with a broad mix of messages, from explorers new and old, and a running theme seems to be confusion about what Uru is and isn't. The Mist series has always been about immersion and solving mysteries at our own pace. They've been about careful observation, note-taking, subtle clues in the environments, about noting clues in many different places and melding those clues into a master solution elsewhere. The adventures have been, first and foremost, about telling a grand story and revealing that story to us little by little. There have been many puzzle-solving games in the past, but few where the puzzles have been so deeply integrated into the story and the environments. Well, that's the magic of Myst, and now of Uru. But adapting the Myst saga to the new medium of online multiplayer gaming has been a huge challenge for Cyan Worlds, as well as for we Myst fans. A lot of new players, and admittedly many longtime players as well, have expressed frustration at the seemingly slow pace at which Uru Live is being released. It's becoming apparent that Uru Live is quite different from the boxed Myst games of the past and from the other game titles hosted by GameTap. In these days of instant gratification, Uru Live seems, so far anyway, to be something of a misfit. But perhaps that's part of its magic. There are so many elements to Uru Live. Elements that elevate it far above the more common online games. Elements like the deep backstory, established long ago and beginning with Myst itself. Each new Myst title and the three novels have developed and deepened the story of the mighty but tragically flawed Denis race, those who would see it destroyed and those who would devote their lives to restoring it. Another great element is the Myst community, you and me. Unlike many other game fan bases, the Myst community is, for the most part, deeply literate, thoughtful, friendly, and supportive. It comprises artists, writers, actors, musicians, university students, grandmothers, teenagers, pretty much a cross-section of society, but all drawn by the concept of interactive storytelling. So that's why we've entitled this podcast A New Page. It's devoted to all of you new explorers. Welcome to the story.
The last few weeks have seen a great deal of events occurring in the cavern. Saturday, the 17th of March, saw the first St. Patrick's Day Parade of the Uru Live Era take place. The Grand Marshal of the event was Cyan World CEO Rand Miller, accompanied by Ryan Warcheka, also known as Grey Dragon. The last fortnight held the unveiling of not one, but two ages to the community, Nigilon and Darano. Both of these are pod ages, or ages where an explorer links into a protective pod in order to observe the outside world. The interesting thing about these two worlds is that they contain their own wildlife. Nigilon, a rainforest age, has many ground and tree-dwelling creatures, such as the Irwin, while Darano, a literal ice age, has many of its creatures dwelling beneath the water. These creatures have created much excitement among explorers, particularly among groups like the Dunny Zoological Society, whose goals include discovering and documenting creatures found in the ages. On that note, Douglas Sharper has made a return to the cavern. Mr. Sharper is well known for his journals regarding the restoration, the age of Teladon, and also his love of the New England Patriots. He had recently been assigned to Nagelon to investigate the disappearance of some of the wildlife, presumably to some unknown predator. He went in search of this predator, accompanied by Nick White and Rills of the Dunny Zoological Society. After visiting a session of Spoken Word Night, a weekly gathering of explorers to share poetry, stories, and other literature, Nick White joined Mr. Sharper and Rills on the expedition to Negulon. After a while, Rills reportedly sent a message saying, What the? And all three disappeared off the key list. Eventually, and fortunately, they all returned safely, although more than a little disturbed at what they saw. Finally, now that the restoration is well underway, the cavern has seen the arrival of many new faces. New explorers in search of information should head to either the Beginner's Bevan for tours on the Dunny by DRC Restoration Engineers, or the Guild of Greeters Neighborhood for general help on how to get around the cavern, both of which are accessible via the Nexus after the retrieval of one's key from Garrison. Of course, the community as a whole is extremely friendly, and it's not hard to find someone willing to lend a hand so newcomers should be able to find help at any time, whether they are in the ages or the cavern itself. That's all for now. Keep listening as the restoration continues for all the latest news to come out of Dunny and the Ages. This is Dalkin Starbine for The Cavern Today, signing off. Thanks for the news, Dalkin. Well, hearing from the new folks should remind us what it was like when we first blinked into the cavern ourselves, stood there scratching our heads and wondering what was going on. With that in mind, we decided to speak with some of you new explorers to get your impressions firsthand. Dalkin took his microphone to the cavern and chatted with several new explorers. Over to you, Dalkin. Sure, This is Dalkin Starbine from TCT News, bringing you in-cavern interviews, the segment where I... Your favorite reporter, at least I like to think so, goes out and talks to you, the explorers, to find out what the general population of the cavern thinks. Today's segment is pointed toward you explorers that might be a bit newer to the cavern, 
It's also more OOC to keep things less confusing. I've asked around to see what you new explorers think and let the cavern know your perspective on things. Here's what Starfisher had to say. Uh, I came in at the end of November when it was still in beta. I didn't even play Myst until I got the GameTap subscription. That's one of the really good things about the game. There's a lot of people around that will help you figure this stuff out. Probably one of the things that makes it so accessible, you know, to people like me who have not been gamers before. The game has got a very, I won't say easy, but it's a very intuitive interface for, for people. And the people in the game, like I said, have a very, uh, are generally, of a community attitude and will help you and will explain things to you. And it's just been a real friendly game. And um, I, I appreciate the puzzles. I really... Probably what drew me in the most was the fact of the first and third person avatar and the intense graphics. I just love the graphic. I think one of the things that I really appreciated was the in-game help from the resings. They've been really good. I mean, even things they couldn't truly fix, they really spend time with you and, and help you try to work stuff out. The storyline with the first four ages and the cleft um, was really cohesive and comprehensive, but it it seems to me in the later ages we're kind of losing track of that, and I don't know if it's intentional or it's just a natural evolution. I find, I really find a lot more chat going on um, now than pursuing the storyline for most people that I'm in, in touch with anyway. Also, excellent had to say when asked about Uru Live. I love it. I always played the Miss games. I've played all of them but 4 and 5. I also loved online games and thought this would be cool. I was also proud of the Miller Brothers. I even did a report in high school on them. I started in late December and I loved the interaction between people in the game. Finally, Just In Time commented, It's kind of fun, other than the lag in the city. I was confused by the expedition and who Sharper is. The ages are pretty tough. I've gotten through three so far. I was talking to a player last night, and she was very nice and tried to explain the storyline to me. Very interesting. The only frustrating thing so far is how hard it is to find help for Dellen. But the other ages are fun. And that's our in-cavern interviews for today. For now, this is Dalkin Starbine for the Cavern Today, signing off. Thanks again, Dalkin, and thanks to our guests as well. It was good to hear from you. One thing you'll notice when you become involved with the Uru community is that there are many, um, characters among us. That's right, some of us see things from a slightly different angle, and we're very fortunate to have such an explorer on our staff. Sherry, over to you. Hi, this is Sherry for The Cavern Today. In this podcast, we're thinking about all of you new explorers. And I would love to be the first to tell you, Sharon, welcome to Uru, but I bet you've already been buzzing around, got your key, and made some friends already. Four years ago, the only other Myst game I had played was Myst. I had never played Riven or Exile, and this was way before Myst 4 and 5 came out, so I pretty much well felt like I was behind the eight ball. I remember what it was like being in the cleft for the first time 
and not knowing what to do, what the handprints meant, what that fella Zandy was talking about, or even how to get the silly windmill to work. Those were some tough times for me because I didn't know what to do. I felt a little inferior that I couldn't count in Dunny, that I didn't know what a whark was or what the riven remnants were, or that I had never heard of Amateria or Voltaic. I had no idea who Gen or Tiana or Catherine were, and I had never been smacked in the face with the old friendly Savidro's hammer. <laughs> You could say I was way behind in my miseducation, you think? But times have changed, and all of you who are just joining us on the journey have quite the leg up on us, old-timers. There are websites galore, Uru Live 101 to help you get your key, and all sorts of help in the forums. In the last podcast, you heard my story about a young woman who came to Uru, but she didn't know how to get off of her relto. Now, what you don't know is that I did ask her, did you ask for help? And she said, no, I didn't know who to ask. I didn't know what to do. And the sad part is, is that I don't think that she tried very hard. I think she might have had reservations about meeting new people and having to tuck away her pride and ask for help. It's a different way of life. It's a different way of thinking here in Uru. We've all had to muster up our courage and figure out our own dunny logic to solve puzzles and learn how to get around. It takes perseverance and courage to be here. But if you feel your courage and patience slipping away, there's absolutely nothing wrong about going into your neighbor's list or going into any of the neighborhoods and introducing yourself and asking for help. In my experience, being new in any online world isn't easy, but it's easier than you think in Uru. The phrase, hi, I'm new and I need help, is very scary in other online worlds because you never know who you're going to get on the other end. But really, that's the difference. This community is so geared towards helping each other that walking into a neighborhood and just being brave enough to say, Hi, I'm new and I need help, will lead to a wonderful experience. Uru has always been a magical place. It has allowed some of our explorers to walk for the first time in years. It has allowed people who were ready to give up on their lives a breath of fresh air and given them families and friends they can rely on. When you're new to Uru... The first instinct you might have when you walk into a public area and see other explorers is to panic and leave. I know I did the first time I linked into a neighborhood. But don't. Walk up and start chatting. You never know what adventure you will find. You know, what a lot of us old-timers don't think about is that the next new face we see or the next new explorer that links into our neighborhood just might be the next great Uruite. That's something to think about, isn't it? So to walk up to a group of strangers and say, Hi, I'm new and I need help in Uru is not a bad thing. Actually, it's the best thing that a new explorer can do for themselves. It opens you up to making new friends, and you never know. In time, you just might have an online family of your own comprised of your fellow explorers. Four years ago, way back in prologue, I would have never imagined that I would do the things I have done in Uru, or that I would have a new family. But I do. I have my dad, mom, little sister, brothers, aunts, uncles, and cousins, and they're all explorers. 
They say that you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, I'm here to say that the they's are wrong. It's all because I wasn't afraid to walk up to someone and say, Hi, I'm new and I need a little help. I've got a good old-fashioned family in an online world because I mustered up the courage to say hello. So the next time you run into someone in the cavern or a neighborhood or a common garden age and you're standing just a couple of feet away from them, say hi. You never know what might happen. New explorers, I envy you. I hope you enjoy your time in the cavern. I love this place so much. It's my home, and I hope you will make it your home too. But then again, that's just me, of course. For The Cavern Today, this is Sherry, signing off. Thanks a lot, Sherry. We always enjoy hearing from you. Well, like it or not, we're entirely dependent on our computer equipment when it comes to enjoying Uru. These cantankerous boxes of silicon are our gateway into the wonders of the cavern. In fact, some of them are gateways. And not surprisingly, they can be either a help or a hindrance. Our TCT tech segment has been specifically designed to guide you through the more technical side of the Uru experience. And this month, we'll hear from Miles, Janathus, and Anthony. Guys, do it. Welcome to TCT Tech version 2.1. For this session, not only do we have our usual cast, Janathus, and Anthony, also we are graced with the expert presence of our very own Miles. Hello there. Today we're going to be covering such topics as Floss, not the kind for your teeth, Mac OS X, Linux, Cider, we'll explain that later, and Sedega, also to be explained later. So Miles, let's hear about Floss. Thanks, Janethus. Well, um, <clears throat> FLOSS is essentially what most of us know to be open source software. FLOSS is an acronym for Free Libre Open Source Software, and it basically refers to the free software movement. It's software that isn't bound by uh, strict copyright licenses. Um, it isn't even bound by things like the Berkeley Software Distribution License. It's absolutely free, and it's open for everyone to use, and that's what's so exciting about FLOSS. So is FLOSS Linux? Floss is not necessarily Linux, but Linux is Floss. Uh, so Floss includes all open source software, Windows, uh, Mac, and Linux. Uh, and Linux is just one item of that. Well, how, how does the Mac tie into it? Mac, the OS X isn't free. Well, OS X isn't necessarily free, but OS X is based on a, a couple of uh, very important technologies. At a sort of core level, it's based on an open source project that was called Darwin, uh, which is a derivative from FreeBSD, uh, which is also Floss software. And uh, when Mac started development on OS X, they combined the Darwin BSD core with uh, their own next step, which Steve Jobs brought from his old company uh, when he was moved into the Apple fold. And with those two technologies coming together, open source on the one end and proprietary on the other, they formed OS X. And that's what makes OS X such a powerful kernel and such a great operating system. What, what, flavor, Linux what, what flavor of Linux is your favorite right now? What are you playing with? So for me, uh, Ubuntu has always been the best choice for me because it's based on the Debian Linux distribution. 
and uh, I personally just find it the easiest to configure and, and work with and find software for because it's got a great package manager. If I want any piece of software, I just go to a command line, hit apt get install and whatever piece of software I want and it'll go find that piece of software somewhere on Ubuntu's servers and, and download that for me. What are your and thoughts so that's on, what I've been playing with. on Linspire or what used to be called Lindos? Remember that? Yeah, so uh, after the little Microsoft lawsuit, Lindos changed over to Linspire and they've just done their uh, community orientated uh, distribution, which of course is called Freespire. Um, and, you know, Freespire and uh, SUSE and, and those sort of distributions like SUSE and, and Linspire tend to be for more of the casual Linux user. They, they're very colorful, very easy to get into, uh, automatically configure a ton of things without you knowing what's going on. And for the slightly more uh, geekish among us, to, for want of a better term, uh, it just covers up the surface a little bit too much and that's why I've always preferred the Debian Ubuntu background because it really lets you see what's going on and, and configure it the way you want it. So trans gaming is an interesting point. It, it uh, brought the ability to emulate some Windows games on Linux. Uh, do you, mm. In your opinion, what are some of the biggest uh, uh, blockades to that? Yeah, so Traditionally, the biggest blockade has been the support for 3D drivers on Linux um, and open source operating systems because the 3D, uh, 3D graphics card companies, NVIDIA, ATI, the big guys, have generally produced drivers for the Windows 32-bit uh, architecture. And uh, slowly over time, drivers have become available for Linux uh, and for, for open source BSD-like operating systems. And, and so with the efforts of, of companies like Trance Gaming and um, the YNX project, which has now become Sedega, which we're going to talk about in a bit, um, all these blockades that, that sort of are technical and uh, political and bureaucratic are slowly starting to fall down. Um, and that's a, it's a pretty exciting time to be involved in the FLOSS movement because um, there's a move away from companies purely supporting proprietary operating systems towards companies supporting both proprietary on the enterprise side and open source on the community side. Uh, and that's why I'm excited to be involved in, be involved in this FLOSS movement at the moment. What I'm, I'm looking forward to, and it, I guess it's, uh, I'm a little bit of a Leo Laporte convert, but um, <laughs> in one of the, uh, the Twit pieces, or actually quite a few he's mentioned it, uh, there's a new emulation software, or fairly new, called Parallels for the OSX, which allows you to pretty much mm. seamlessly run Windows inside of another window inside of OSX. So the problem is it doesn't really support 3D hardware acceleration, mm. so yeah. like you yes. can't run the nice effects of uh, Vista. But one of the nice touches is you can actually launch a native Windows app in OSX, and it just it's just a Windows window in OSX. Mm. Right. So it's not actually a whole window virtual machine operating system is just the window for that program you're running. The concept that he talks about, platform agnostic, that would be a really good gold standard if we could reach it. With uh, moving towards sure. the CIDR thing with uh, OSX, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. really, I don't, maybe this isn't really indicative, but I'm really impressed with how OS, how Live runs on OSX through CIDR. It's every bit as smooth as I could have ever asked for. Really? Now, I, of course, haven't seen it under CIDR, um, but that's interesting to hear. So there's no slowdown, no um, sort of reduction in frame rate from what you find on your Windows machine? No. Uh, well, the uh, video card in my MacBook Pro is designed more for productivity than for gaming. 
Sure. So it's it's not it's probably only a couple steps above, say, a Radeon ninety eight hundred, which is okay. more than enough to run Uru, but not mm. enough to run Uru, Uru at twelve eighty by eight hundred with everything cranked okay. all the way up. But, right, yeah. And one thing, this is perennial amongst all Mac games I've seen. I can't seem to run mm-hmm. anastropic filtering, which okay. I, I do miss because I like the high quality texture on the ground as far as the eye can see. But yeah. if if you can f- let that go, since it's not, it's I don't think that's an Uru specific problem. I think that's a OSX video driver specific problem. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. it is a superb experience that I I was really impressed wow. with. Cider is a uh, emulator of sorts for running games on the Mac platform. They don't, you can't like install cider and install a game. I think it has to be kind of worked, worked over properly for the the two to work in Mac OS X. They don't have perfect compatibility with the windows API yet. Do they? Mm. Uh, That's probably a moving target anyway. And that brings us to Sedega. I haven't really touched it miles at not having a Linux installation. You have, what are your impressions? Right. So, one of the biggest challenges with doing anything on Linux is the fact that there are just hundreds and hundreds of different distributions, all differing in some way, uh, subtle or rather large. And Sedega does a pretty good job at getting around that by making the installation pretty strange to the user that's used to uh, a Windows installation. It requires copying a few files here and there on the Linux file system. But once that's done, and it took me about a minute or two to do, uh, once that's done, you run an install script, and up it pops, and uh, it'll give you a nice little window interface, and it lets you mount a CD-ROM, so you shove your game in your in your CD-ROM drive, and say mount CD, and uh, next minute the installation is uh, proceeding with a very Windows-looking interface uh, for the install shield uh, application. So you, you walk through the install progr- process, and... Um, in about 10 minutes or however long the game takes to install, you will have a little icon in your Sedega that says launch uh, Uru Live or launch Unreal or, or whatever game you happen to install. Do they have a uh, supported games list? Yes. So if you go to transgaming.com and click through the Sedega link, they have a massive list of games that they support. Anything um, that you would call uh, new or next generation? Yeah, well, I mean, World of Warcraft is supported natively on, on Sedega. That's cool. Um, which is pretty interesting, because that's a pretty big game at the moment. In fact, the biggest game in the multiplayer space. Yeah, they've, they've got so a um, Mac OS X port as well. Yes, they do. Interestingly, transgaming.com uh, is featuring a nice Uru Live uh, advert at the moment for the, their cider product, but that's a sidebar. Um, so... I've, t- I've tested Sedega on my Linux laptop, which unfortunately is just an Intel 915 integrated graphics mm-hmm. card. And uh, so mm-hmm. I, I booted up an old Unreal. Uh, Unreal. It wasn't Unreal Tournament. It was the earlier Unreal. And the, the frame player? rate was... Yes, the single player. And the frame rate was disappointing, to say the least. It was well below par. I would be interested yeah. to see how Oblivion runs. It's, it, Oblivion yeah. is a real game that will bring your system to its knees. Absolutely. And um, if they get that emulation right... Um, and let it run it how it's meant to be run. That'll be really impressive. Yeah, that that would be interesting. If if that could somehow also make its way into Cider, it'd be nice if Cider could be more game agnostic, just like mm. this is kind of platform agnostic gaming. But sure. you know the the problem I see with it, maybe this is just me muttering. I'm not, I may be wrong, but 
Mm-hmm. You know, there are games that barely function in Windows with properly supported drivers on in place. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm thinking that uh, tr- that the trans gaming Sedega might run into some hurdles that simply are insurmountable. But you know, I yeah. think what might what might bring this to a better plane is that XNA movement of Microsoft's uh-huh. creating a, yes. a standard for everyone to follow. And I, I mm. think, again, this is me muttering. I might be completely off base, but it looks like in their move to kind of somehow bring the Xbox 360 and Windows kind of to the same playing field, they're going to have, like, system ratings. So, like, I'm thinking what they're moving towards is, like, if your game is rated, say, a 3 for Windows Vista experience, it the game mm-hmm. will automatically configure um, optimally for that level of configuration. If that could, if that could, like, somehow work its way into the emulation across the board, that would be very, uh, very exciting, I think. Mm. Yeah, so mm. XNA seems like a really good... Um, initiative. What bothers me initially is that it's it's very closed and it's very Microsoft. So it's we're going to run it on our Xbox 360 and we're going to run it uh, on Vista. Yeah. And there's been no talk of running it on any sort of open source software. Well, I, now, I'm of course, sure we, that's, well, that's not the intention. Well, it actually but... runs on the yeah. .NET platform, so it's partially exactly. open source. Well, well, you know, Battlefield 2 uh, isn't designed for Linux. You know. It's Guild Wars wasn't designed for anything but okay, Windows, and they're all in this transgaming yeah. thing. So I think, on the same vein, this is just, this is going to be some level of hacking, no matter how you slice it. Sure. So, I just think that with that would come a easier standard to work into an emulator. Just a thought, though. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't really know the 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 programmer side of it. No, absolutely. I think I think what's important is um, to test things like Sedega and Cider with really new games and I, my testing because of my limited hardware um, I don't want to test it with very new games because I presume they won't run uh, and just looking at the minimum requirements on the trans gaming site it really says you need a, a GeForce class graphics card um, mm-hmm. GeForce so, FX series and above. Don't you have that in your PC? Of course I have it in my PC but I don't run uh, Linux on my desktop PC. Yeah, he's running Vista now. Ah. I'm running. I'm running a Vista installation there, and I'm running a Ubuntu installation on my, on my laptop. Well, but don't you have a, a XP drive available to you in, for the just in case situation? Yes, I do. So I, I have a I have an XP drive that's soon to become a, a backup drive, which actually should become a, a Linux drive. But I get so frustrated by the whole dual booting thing. You know, I'm working in Windows. Next minute, I'm wanting to work in Linux, and then as soon as I'm in Linux, I need to be back in Windows. I just, I don't enjoy that swapping between uh, operating systems. I, I am of the same mind that Anthony just said. Just dual boot. I'm like, yeah, but I just like to be in the one spot and do everything. Yeah, but, exactly. Um, I simply think that you should install Linux on your desktop to satisfy my curiosity. That's all there is to that. <laughs> well, I think, I think I'm going to have to do that then. <laughs> Because I I, I, will... I know for a fact that you are at least a little curious as well. So oh, I'm very curious. So I, I would be very interested to see what games in your repertoire you can get to work through that trans gaming thing. And if it's if it's quite a few of them, I'd be very interested to know that because then absolutely that kind of opens up my desire to play with Linux a little more. <laughs> I say I think we need to lay down a TCT Tech challenge for Miles to uh, install Linux on his desktop PC and get uh, some sort of high-level game running in a Sedega environment. All right, try that. I definitely Shall we see how that goes? I, I definitely yeah. would like to see that. I mean, I've, I've abandoned What's the highest level game you've got? Vista. What's the highest level game I've got? Mm-hmm. I am... Um, 
probably my highest is probably going to be something like Need for Speed Carbon at the moment because I haven't bought and for months. Carbon's pretty mm. high up there too. Carbon's pretty high, especially with those sort of blurring effects at high speeds. Yeah, so it'll be interesting the, uh, to see how that that's does. That's the next gen stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how Segia, Segia, yeah, Segia Insider uh, deal with Vista because Vista changed a lot of the APIs in Windows. It and certainly did. Games and stuff. Other things start taking advantage of that. Yeah, I wonder how they're going to deal with that. I'd imagine different I was, uh, paths are going to be written for them. I was interested to note that um, just doing my basic tests of Sedega, but it runs in a Windows ninety eight emulation mode. Um, I don't know Ooh. what Cider runs in for Uru Live Genesis. Uh, that was something I was digging through uh, the Cider config file because I wanted to set um, Uru to run Windows instead of full screen. Mm. The emulation is actually Windows 95. Oh, And the file system is Windows 95, according to the, the tags I'm what? seeing. But then I get down and it, says it lists all the OSs it can emulate, and then it says emulating XP. Hmm. So I saw 95 all through there until that, that just that one line. That point. So it's it's interesting. I, I wonder if it it's pretending that it's on FAT32. That is very strange. We'll need to yeah. do some research into that. I know I that um, Sedega so. was emulating Windows 98 for me. Yeah. Um, a lot of games want to work on 98 these yeah, days. Exactly. Yeah, but at at the time, at at its time, 98 was the pinnacle of you know game interoperability. Oh yes. At its time. I think it's important just to reiterate for people listening to this uh, podcast that Sedega and Cider aren't sort of you know, creating an environment where we can install Windows into and then run our games in that environment. They are literally line by line translating the instructions the game gives it into something that the operating system can understand. So when Uru Live is run in CIDR, CIDR does some really clever and very fast translation into Mac OS X code. Uh, and same with mm-hmm. Sedega, trans- translating that into, into Linux code. Um, and what's interesting is that you'd expect there to be a performance uh, drop with that translation happening, and yeah. that's Transgaming's biggest. Like that, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, nowadays it is with the processing power we have. But five years ago, that sort of on-the-fly translation would have been a real hit on hardware. I've noted before, and maybe it's important to note now, Uru is not mm-hmm. the most optimized game. I mean, hardware that was <laughs> that was found in computers in the time when Uru came out is no longer available. Not but it's, it's surprising how low the performance can be on today's highest-end hardware, despite having so much mm. horsepower that makes other games with all these whiz-bang features run. And so I, I keep that in perspective when I see the CIDR performance on Mac OS X, knowing that I can run that uh, Prey first-person shooter game with all its glory on it at a good 1024 by 768, but then Uru is at 800 by 600. Mm. I know that that's not my computer's fault, I know that Uru just wasn't really that well optimized, because even even now, with my 8800 GTS, 1600 by 1200 was a bit uh, chunky, but in uh, some of the places mm-hmm. in the city, with people around. Yeah. Well, I think I think we need to remember that Uru Live, at its um, rendering engine level, uses Plasma 2, which is just a, a, a rehashed version of Plasma 1, which ran Real Mist, which was uh, released, when was Real Mist released? 2001? 2000? Yeah. yeah, somewhere around there. 
somewhere around there. And before that, Cyan had bought the plasma engine from Headspin Technologies. So, we, but we're talking about eight or nine year old code essentially that's been updated. So, uh, coupled with the move from from the Havoc physics engine over to uh, Agia's physics. There's got to be a lot of strange legacy code going on in the background there that is just totally unoptimized. Now you say that, but the uh, Unreal Engine was perennial throughout all the Splinter Cell series up through the third game, and they managed <laughs> to tack on some good stuff there. So it's, you know, so. to be honest, Genethis, um, at this stage, I think optimization's probably mm-hmm. number one thousand on Cyan's list of well, a thousand things yeah. to do. I did number one priority. I, I just said it. it yeah. I think it should be on on the plate somewhere. Yeah, and I'm sure it's I'm sure it's on that list, but I reckon at this stage, science just needing to get users into this Uru cavern and um, releasing new ages, and and I think that science just focusing their attention on on enthralling its user base and attracting new ones, and uh, I guess not all of the users are as interested in optimization as we are. So Sadeg is a, a a good potential opening for possibly Uru to make it to Linux. You're going to have to report back on that later, Miles. Uh, mm-hmm. Cider is an effective path currently for Live to run on OS X. And depending on whether or not Sedega really takes off, uh, Linux might become a, a good gaming platform, which that would be real interesting to see. Because I, I know that uh, Mandrake had their transgaming thing for a little while. They were trying to do it. And it, it, it didn't go too far. Although they did get The Sims on it, which that is a pretty major game, but it's not 3D per se. But you yes. need to be careful. Just as Cider continues evolving, Windows keeps going too, and it's a moving target. You know, you're never going to quite catch up with it. Yeah, you Windows so, sycophant. Oh yeah, Windows sycophant. But I, I got to argue with that, Anthony, because what? you know, back in the day, uh, the Microsoft platform was nothing for gaming, and the Mac was everything. And the t- those tables no, no, turned. No, no, no. I'm not saying that the Windows is always going to be the best platform for gaming. What I'm saying is, sure. if you're trying to keep up with the Windows API, right? Which is you're never going to quite catch up. Yes. The best bet I would imagine someday would be to try and get a universal API that everyone supports. But you know, difficulty. Isn't that what OpenGL is supposed to be? <laughs> sort of. Was. Kind of is. It's was we went over that originally. It was meant for a high-end rendering and moved. Well, it'd be cool if OpenAL and OpenGL led the path to universal operability because Mac OS X graphical goodness is OpenGL based. But that still doesn't solve everything because you can have OpenGL and you can have OpenAL handling that, but there's still OS specific APIs that programs will call on. I still think that would that would at least be a quarter of the battle getting there. Yeah. Don't forget, be sure to come back in a few episodes when we have Miles come back to report on what happens with his Segia experience. After his uh, house cools down and the radioactive remnants dissipate, you know. His his wardrobe, his (laughs) hair grows back, all that, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's a a good thing I live in South Africa. There's not such a high population, so we can... uh, (laughs) Yeah. We won't affect too many people. And this is Janathus. This is Anthony. And Miles. Signing Signing off. As mentioned earlier, there are many creative people in the Uru community. Quite a few of them are musicians, and on many occasions we featured original musical works in the cavern today. This month, our guest performer is Delanor, with an original tune entitled Sila.
It should come as no surprise to anyone that a common trait among the Cavern Today staff is that we like to talk. And sometimes this is actually a good thing. Well, we recently added the TCT Talk segment to our podcast to provide an audio forum where a team of staffers could discuss ongoing topics and offer their commentaries on Uru, the community, and so forth. So with no further ado, we'd like to present the next installment of TCT Talk, hosted by Sherry, Janathus, Anthony, Alhan, and Dalkin Starbine. Take it away, you guys. Hey, we're back again with another edition of TCT Talk, our roundtable chatterbox about the goings-on in the cavern. This month, we have... Janathus. Anthony. Alhan. Dalkin Starbine. And me, Sherry. This month, we are doing our best to help out all of you new explorers to the cavern and our wonderful world of Uru Live. Well, I guess I'll kick it off. Let's talk about some recent Uru history. Who was in prologue? Raise your hands. Who was in prologue? This is audio, so raise your hand. (laughs) Yeah, raise your hand. That works well. (laughs) I don't know. I was in prologue. Who else was? I'm afraid I wasn't. Well, I was for about five seconds. (laughs) Wow, that has to be the shortest trip to Prologue ever. <laughs> I, I logged in, spirit. Got, I true? crashed, and then that was it. I did the farewell. I'll, I'll come back when they got it fixed. Two <laughs> <laughs> years later. You? <laughs> so you waited for about two years. Or is it three? <laughs> it's two. quite a while it's been. No, I didn't come in until about a year before life started, so I'm still a noob at all this. Well, you noob. mean I am the only one from Prologue? Yes, right. you are. So, Sherry, you have I the floor so to tell us all about it. Wow. Um, I was let in during the clerical error of 2004. They uh, goofed up and invited a whole bunch of people and, like, choked the servers. But what was worse is that the, when I first got into Prologue, I was I linked into the city. And I remember the first place I was in the city was actually up not, uh, like, in the courtyard. I was I didn't start out at the ferry docks. I started out upstairs. So it was really funny because I took a step and had to wait five minutes. And then it was, like, lag. And then take another step and five minutes, lag. And uh, it was really funny because this is my first online world. So I type in, I'm like, excuse me for asking, but why is it taking so long for me to take a step? And somebody replied to me, it's called lag, stupid. You'll get used to it. And uh, I sat back and I was like, okay, so this is an online world. Hmm, log out. Uh, and then I came back in. <laughs> yeah. Then I came mm, back. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hmm, I can hear you now. But... Um, the whole thing was is that, you know, prologue, extremely laggy. And when, you know, I keep going back to my experiences because this is the only way I know how to compare and contrast what went on. When we went over into there, people were complaining about lag. Lag that lasted all of about a millisecond. You actually, like, went, uh, and then kept going. It was like a little burp. And they would complain about it. And we're like, you don't know lag. You don't know what <laughs> lag was. You don't know what it is. Just don't complain about lag. You want lag? Go to a room. And so, <laughs> that is, thank God, there is no more lag of that scope and nature that is uh, prevalent right no. now in the world. Yeah, unfortunately, so. that carried all, all the way through into until Uru also. <laughs> hey, you used well, good our techniques. The key is, though, you you had all the nice um, fan <clears throat> modifications, such as user key, admin key. It, it had it had enough of a, of a community and a code base who knew what they were doing, and... You could do a lot to uh, negate a lot of the effective lag. I mean, we managed 
to have uh, in Tapestry 70 people before it started getting as bad as what you guys described having happened on uh, the prologue server. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, wh hey, what's the record for the amount of people stuffed in a hood? Do you guys know? Um, hood? No. Um, I don't know. In Damala, last uh -huh. year during the St. Patrick's Day Parade, there was uh -huh. over, like, 120... No, what? Yeah, I thought the last count was 124 in one of the hoods. We, we, we gave it lip service in the last TCT talk, where we, uh, were discussing how important UU was to so many people, so... UU, I mean, God bless it, man. And then Damala came along, I nearly about peed my pants. It's like, oh my god, Siam's back, what? You know, so that was good, and that brought us along even yeah, more if you, stuff. If you listen to some of the previous podcasts, you see the interviews with Grey Dragon and Ryan Miller. They're subtly hinting that it's there, or it's going to happen. Oh, there's something I, oh, I shouldn't tell you about that. And they're like, but, why aren't you telling us? Ryan <laughs> so loves to tease. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Anyway, and we and we are now in Uru. Yay. I, feel, I just feel so bad for all the people that you, you kind of left stranded, though. That's bad. You mean the people who are who could access UU but can't access live, or? Yeah, that's what I mean. Is that they are they can't access UU live because they're in an unsupported country, like uh, like Lego said last time. You know, I think that's really sad. I, I want them to join us. I really do. It's a family thing. At least the Mac people were let in on the twentieth. Yes! Yay for the Mac people! Hooray for the Mac people! I'm, I'm so excited. We, we cover yet one more platform. We've gone back to our Mist roots. Wasn't um, Mist originally conceived and done for Mac computers? Yes, it and was. And then it came over to Windows and became psychotically popular. And most of it, them have been uh, platform agnostic. They work on both. Mm-hmm. Yep. As a matter of fact, I think all of them have. Yeah. Except was Mist 5 was also for both platforms. Yeah. Um, so Ur is the only one that wasn't. But hey, did you guys go? I, the other day I was trying to find a hood with um, Dellen in it, with Edder Dellen. And uh, I happened upon one, and I walked in there, and it's winter. I had to go back to Relto and change. I put on my toque and my gloves and my big coat. I was so excited. I was like, oh, look, Well, you'd snow. expect, you know, those ages to go through weather. Well, it felt they're so definitely nice. Felt like home. Where's my winter page for Relto? <laughs> I want no, I forget What's the rain off my snowbanks. Yeah, that's another nice thing. I want to skate in the lake. Have... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we, we finally have new ages and stuff coming out again. Yeah. That's nice, man. After hey, so many you guys years. Get... Oh, yeah. Did you guys get to see the Irwin? Merwin the Irwin? I, I named mine Merwin. He's so cool. Very original. What? He's cute. Who's cute? <laughs> Merwin, the Irwin. I like the Irwin. It's a giant six-foot-tall walking chicken. Yeah. Well, it's... Chicken. It's, 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 it's the Don't the Irwin, it's a chicken. Where is this at? Uh, this is in uh, Nagalan. I do believe we have drifted off topic. That's okay. Oh, we always drift off topic. <laughs> well, I don't know who appointed you yeah. topic police, Mr. Dawkins Starbine. <laughs> I know it wasn't the editorial producer. <laughs> Right, don't, just yeah, don't leave me at the helm of the boat, man. Don't leave me at the helm of the boat. I think I said last time. Uh, yeah, well, Mr. Editorial <laughs> Producer, I have a few words to say to you, but I just don't know what to are. Bring it, babe. Bring it. No, no, no. 
Dolkin, if you're going to mess with Janathus, just let Anthony do it. I've been doing it for uh, almost a year now. Forever. Anyway, yeah. Okay, well, well, then let's get to the bullet point. Let's talk about the newbies. Oh, oh God. Wrong word to say. Nice. Need to borrow smack me. Oh, let's uh, discuss the difference between newbie, noob, and uh, other terms. I do believe the politically correct term is new explorer. I thought it was dead meat. Nukes? <laughs> dead meat? No, don't tell them that. So they're, they're nukes? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, let's talk about new explorers in Cavern. You know, the people who are just now experiencing a room. But I'm betting you there's a whole bunch of people who have never touched a mist game that are hitting world. And I feel really bad for them because not being able to count in Denis... Oh, let me tell you. Mm, that's going to present a challenge. They They're should gonna need yep. to learn. There, there should be a, some some way of learning somewhere in there. Oh, well, there's sites the uh, all over the internet. No, no, no. There should be a way in-game to do it. Mm-hmm. The classroom. Well, there is a classroom. Yeah, but it doesn't have any numbers or anything in there. Unless in somebody order, starts right, actually teaching. Yeah, it's around the top of the room. Yeah, well, well there's still. There's the, um, the Dunny Linguistic Fellowship. They, uh, I, they've done... Um, Language sessions include numbers and stuff, along with, you know, of course, the words and letters and all that well, I, stuff. I found one where it had actually, I found a, a site which has it, I can't remember which site it is right now, but uh, they have a site where you have all the Dunny numbers. All I did was go into Google and type in D apostrophe N-I numbers, and it coughed up this beautiful little chart of all the numbers. It was really cool. Nope, they have to play Riven. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, the counting machine. Ooh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I keep thinking about my my little friend who couldn't get off of her relto, and uh, you know, a lot of new players are counting and Dunny would not have helped her. No, it wouldn't have. But <laughs> with you know, we have a lot of people who are getting confused coming in, and they're going, "Oh, where do I go? What do I do?" And uh, you know, it's real easy. Click on things. But you know, you a know, lot of a lot of art projects massively a multiplayer. RPGs that I have seen and come in, in contact with don't have a lot of direct interaction with the environment. Like, you, you have, like, a vendor that you can sell stuff with, but, like, you don't come to a door and have to work some mechanism to get it open. You know, it's a lot of the stuff, like, like you, you click on the door and poof, you know, you materialize on the, door, on the side of the door. It's, there's not a lot of involvement for the moving through the environment, so maybe that involves a different mindset. Yeah, and I mean, you, you got to watch the cursor. Rue is much more virtually, physically interactive. Which has been half of their problem, actually. Yeah, but yeah, really, you need to click on stuff. Was, you know, yeah, they, they really need to get smoke. get properly weighted <laughs> cones, because, you know, some of these cones are just like death traps. <laughs> cones can be evil. If you try to slide them down the stairs and they get stuck, well, guess what? You're going for a little ride. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I have a question for you guys. If somebody walked up to you, and Janathus, don't even start with me. If somebody walks up to you and says, Hi, I'm new and I need help, what are you going to do? Uh, uh, usually when someone walks up to me and says that, assuming I'm not busy, which I'm usually not, because I don't have a life, but... Um, <laughs> if you're working for TCT, you probably don't have a life. Mm. Um, True. Well, recently I have, but, you know, um, when I'm in Uru, I don't have a life. Um, so, you know, um, I just say, you know, 
sure, which, what do you need help with, or what do you need, or you know, just anything like that. Alhan, how about you? What I usually do is, I take a look at their hand, make sure they have a key, and if they don't, I tell them, okay, go use the book on your bookshelf, and from there, follow the signs to the big door marked classroom. It's got a big classroom, I think you can spell that. And then, follow the instructions. From there, you'll be able to access, basically, the rest of the world. And if you have... If you're having problems still, talk to me again, or if you can figure it out to that point, go to either of these two hoods, a beginner's Bevan or the Guild of Greeters Bevan, and they'll be able to answer anything you want. That's, a, that's basically the instructions I give. I would have recommended the Guild the not Guild, the uh, Beginner's Bevan, but I suddenly couldn't remember the name, so I'm glad you did. <laughs> so I was going to sit there, there's this Bevan. It's, uh, um, people are there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The resenges. The resenges. No, actually, I, I pulled a good one on a resenge of the fifths. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm actually. <laughs> I, w- I went to a, uh, a beginner's orientation with Dalkin the other day. Actually, it's me and Dalkin. And it yeah. was really great. Uh, we, it was the Rezang that was there was very, very informative. Very, he was a fantastic guy. And uh, it was really funny because he really gave us a lot of good information. There was a lot of great information that he was giving. So I would definitely say go to the beginner's bevan and really sit and listen to all of the sessions that the resings give because they're each different you know you just don't get yeah, one and get an overview there are like how many are there Dalkin? like four or five yeah i haven't counted them specifically but they have one on like dunny history um one about the drc um and every single one they talk about how to get help and uh, where you should go for different kinds of help like if you're having issues with um, with um, ages and stuff, go uh, visit the Guild of Greeters. Is there another way to get a hold of this information without those people? Well, there's the Guru Live 101 video and stuff. And, and you know what? The, if you go over to the Guild of Greeters, the GOG's going to have all kinds of info. It's like go well, over their website, guildofgreeters.com. The thing I was thinking is the DRC stuff. history. Is, is, there, is the DRC site a good source for that? Is that all going to be there? DRC uh, site's not exactly the best site for history on the DRC, at least not yeah. these days. So you used to have a nice little thing on the history, but uh, you know, it'd be really cool. And you know, this is just me talking and thinking out loud. But I think that the DRC, like some history, should be kept somewhere, like in a book, in a neighborhood mm. that we could look at. You know, history to this point or journal to this point, something you know, something that anyone wants to look it up, just a resource you can go to provided, you know, if somebody isn't there. Yeah, the the closest thing I can think of, which isn't really the, the best help with, with all of it, but, you know, it has all this the Sharper's Journal, it has some of it in there. Yeah. He's not appreciative of, of us it? reading it, his journal, though, I've heard. <laughs> you know, all these explorers <laughs> what is that linking stuff? That's really his fault for leaving it on the table. Yeah, well, I, I saw the quote. Somebody <laughs> said, do you mind anyone reading your journal? He's like, do you mind if I steal your car? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Ow, so, Douglas. Douglas, right. not be too nice to the explorers. Hmm. Well, I don't think he was ever famous for being nice. So, t- <laughs> speaking of the DRC, uh, let's talk about uh, Kate for a second. Oh, Kate. Kate, you know, mm. guys, you know that I'm I'm sitting back and waiting. 
on and seeing what Kate's doing, but I've been talking to some people around the community. It's like, what do you think Kate's purpose is and all this other stuff? And I keep thinking about this. Remember our antagonist. Now, we are our protagonists because we're the good guys in all this. And, Speak for yourself. You know, well, <laughs> I am a good person, but anyway, long story short, I can only speak for myself I on that. I could say so much. I know you could. I know, maybe, but, you know, it's one of those things. But I really think that we are the protagonist in this, and we're actually just observing everything. And in any struggle or anything, in any of the missed games, we have had some type of antagonist. In Mist, it was the brothers, Cirrus and Akinar. In... Riven, it was Gen. In Mist 3, it was in Exile, it was Savidro. In Mist 4, we went back to the brothers again. In Mist 5, we had Escher. Now we're in Uru. We, hi, Kate. You know, and Kate's doing it very well because there are a lot of people foaming at the mouth about Kate. And she is doing a really good job as, you know, as our antagonist for the moment. We don't know the rest of her intentions, but she's our antagonist for the moment. And you have to respect the fact that she's actually serving a purpose as being our antagonist. Maybe she's just pushing the edge of the envelope. Who knows? Truth. I don't see much wrong with her right now. I don't know. I've got this feeling that, yeah, she might eventually want to turn Denny into a theme park, but... If you think about it, how else are you going to secure that much funding for a site that is completely privately funded? As far as I know, the U.S. government has nothing going into New Mexico, literally and figuratively. If the U.S. government knew about Denis, uh, we wouldn't be there. Yeah, it'd be a missile silo. Hmm. But still, I mean, I, I, have, I, I let her go because she's doing what she thinks is right, and she's... Okay, so she's paying to keep all these, these new ages appearing. I, I don't see a problem with her. She's not hasn't done anything to make me overly cranky yet. So that's, that's I'm just very my take. suspicious of her. Mm-hmm. She's turning Denny into a theme park. I'm her worst enemy. You hear that, Kate? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't mind seeing yeah, the bridge repaired. You know, the one where the rope bridge is at. I would like to see a real uh-huh. bridge segment added in there, one way or the other. I wouldn't mind that. Someday. Yeah. Well, I don't have any personal gripe with Kate, but then again it seems like whenever I go into the cavern anyone who might be there is just leaving so I think like, they try to avoid me for some odd reason like like I might be insane or something mm. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think that's yeah. a hint also <laughs> gonna let that opening slip right by there it goes I only drink two glasses of lake water a day oh no 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 carafe sarge bottle water man that's the stuff you want that's the good stuff so with our uh, our recent guru history uh, I think we covered our Guru Live 101 bullet points. I think we can move right on to bullet point four. The player-run events. Oh, the cat team. Cavern activities team. You know, I, we're coming back to that. People are starting to complain. They're, they're complaining that there's nothing to do. And, you know, there's a lot to do. I mean, I am busy almost 24 hours a day with stuff that I'm doing with the Cavern. If it's the Ladies' Garden Club or helping Rex with the Dunny Games or, you know, doing all those things. There is a ton to do in Cavern. You've got to find it, you know? It's not... You can't just yep. sit there and wait for it to land yeah. in your lap. Mist is I mean, interactive. 
there's weekly yeah. stuff like spoken word night which is every wednesday mm. you know it's, it's people yeah. get together and and uh just uh use voice generally you don't it's not required but you know use voice generally to like present poems or you know whatever they want to sure. and then there's sure. other stuff like yeah. um the up on the roof parties or the recent uh saint patrick's parade yeah, which mm-hmm. you know, it's, 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 it's the yearly stuff like the the Dunning Games or the, the St. Patrick's Day Parade and uh, party. You know, I was thinking after I was, uh, I don't know if you folks have seen the video from the parade. I have. Um, I was thinking, what what I really wish we could get a little more of in the cavern is um, some more regalia, some some a lot more clothing, a lot more customization. Like, I'm thinking, as the people walking along, why can't we have them holding banners of some sort? You know, mm-hmm. just, you want to have enough variety that you don't see a bunch of clones walking around. That's my <laughs> my point. You know, enough stuff that, like, you look at these people and you see a plethora of different things that they can do. Of course, this requires more programming, more modeling, and all that stuff. I know it's not just, it's there's logistics sides to it, but I think that one of the ways to really harness the potential of Uru um, Live is to take a little bit, a page or two out of you know, one of the other massively popular games out there, like um, uh, like The Sims or World of Warcraft, where there's just so much variety. We we I think we need a little bit more variety in some shape or form to help really make those events really interesting to look at and be a part of. Well, Janathus, I think that that's going to be. Um I think that's going to come along when we have the uh, the developer program here, uh, a uh, actual the ability to make things for our world. I think that that will come along with that. User-made content in, is what I'm saying. I think that user-made content opens up such a door because, I, I mean, I don't know of a single Uruite who isn't creative in one sort or another if they're not making different types of paintings or or poems or anything i mean it's gonna find its place and i think that uh the 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 developer uh like the member content will help that a lot i think we could see a lot of that Mm -hmm. but that that's a hint that's a major hint guys at cyan hey hurry up with the developer programs (laughs) to play devil's advocate with you 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 risk turning uru into a second, or should I put it, a third life? Um, no, 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 no. Because you know what? There is no, no, no. In 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 second life? No, 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 no. Two different animals <laughs> altogether. We don't do the things that they do over there. We don't. That would but be you know, bad. New Family players. oriented. <laughs> yes, but, but I don't. I don't mean that stuff. I mean mm. the whole concept of. You mean what, things that fly? Best, well, sort of that. But the best. But the best quote I've heard about second life is that it is. A 100% a virtual ego trip is that you can create what you want and put it up there, advertising yourself, everything I've done, and look, this is my this is my brand new house. It's one big square, paint bucketed in, in a bright, ugly red. <laughs> Worship me. I don't want that. Well, I yeah, don't well, go into Second Life, but uh, yeah, but you want something uh-huh. more like the uh, stuff that the they were starting to do towards the end of. Uh, Untillery with all the real ages and stuff they were trying to do. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But we've got new players, so we're going to be running that risk. Just. Yeah, that's true. It's not the cavern of old where we were. St- we where the high moral code is. You know, that's why I call the high moral ground was UU and and in well, prologue that was the high moral ground. What I mean is not so much to like give us a blank slate and go here, do whatever you want. Uh, but you you see with with all all the various functions and community get-togethers that we have managed, um, 
for you know the pub night, the on, up on the roof, the St. Passeray, the Denny Games. Working within those constructs, what what could be added is, is you know kind of the question I think that should be asked, and what 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 could help, what could what could allow us to flush these things out into you know maybe bloom into other types of things of similar nature, which focuses on the social environment. Yeah. Oh well, I definitely agree that a banner or a flag from a particular hood and be able to have us paint our own logo on it yeah. with, you know, like for, I'm a part of the meeting place. So, you know, we have a beautiful TMP logo. And it should and want. it should be fully rendered with uh, full DirectX 9 effects and full physics applied <laughs> to it so that it blows in the breeze as you run. I'm sorry. Do you want us to completely freeze? <laughs> sorry, the geek came out there. It just it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, pe- pe- people, people like like um, hmm. who's got the weakest computer here? Sherry? Okay, Sherry. Um, people like Sherry will, will walk around like the like the flag from the moon when like the wire is in it. They won't see all the RX nine effects because they won't be able to turn those on. Well, I have DirectX nine. Just teasing. Just teasing. <laughs> I have a fairly decent machine. Just just like just like me, I know so that you're a target to take to can take the beatings. So that's why I vented it at you. <laughs> For sure. You must definitely take okay. these. I don't have a dual core processor. <laughs> oh, stop. They're not alone. <laughs> I don't have a dual core processor. <laughs> for it's real. Are real. <laughs> I don't want to be the person left out in that car. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. Mm. You know what? I prefer to be in the Dark Ages because you know what? You guys get to flesh out all the new stuff and work out all the bugs while yeah, you guys yeah, are yeah. suffering. I'm going, ha, ha, stable machine. My, yeah, my latest <laughs> motto. Ah, I live to run beta software. Yeah, that's... That. Hey, Graham used to always tell us, like, "Why well, I have no problems. I don't get crashes. I'm like, yeah, but you use hardware that was in production when Uru was made. <laughs> oh, There's nothing in my computer that was made in those days. <laughs> no, in Prologue, I was running 256 megs of RAM. Holy God. <laughs> I might as well have been walking scary. backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're fine in the cleft. Oh, yeah. I'm finding all the other agents Did, if you I'm know, doing the standalone on my machine. I'm digging the fish in Dorino, man. That's the fish. Me and the fish, man. We are one. Forget the fish. <laughs> Ice. Ice, no. Oh, that's paradise for me. It you're no longer allowed to talk. Shut up. <laughs> Giant compound eye that looks like a speaker. Dude, I, I love that guy. What, what did I call him? Herman the Merman. <clears throat> Everything rhymes. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, between Merwin and Herman, I'm, I'm just placated right now. I'm like, all right. But you know what's the most fun? is when I actually went in, it was like 4 o'clock in the morning, I was having really bad insomnia, and I logged into Cavern. And this is one thing that people are just not grateful for. You can log into the Cavern 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You go into any other online world, guess what? Maintenance time! You know, 3 to 4.30 in the morning. Which is usually based on the time zone where they exist. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's California, of course. But, you know, the whole point being is that, you know, I couldn't sleep. It was 4 a.m. I log into Cavern. And a lot of newbies won't. Uh, nice explorers. <laughs> uh, what, what was the precedent somebody was trying to set? Hmm. <laughs> uh, no, uh, the new explorers. Um, the nukes. When they come in, when they come in, they, they <laughs> don't really realize that this cavern is twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, unless you get a big message from 
from Cyan that says, hi, uh, we're going to be down for maintenance from this time to this time. And that's once, what, a week? We, we've had it once. In which, we had it in which case you say that it's unacceptable. You'll have to reschedule. Sorry. Uh, no, but but I, you know, I woke up in the middle of the night and with insomnia. Well, actually, I was having insomnia. I never slept. But I went in with one of my family members, a, a, a member of my hood, and uh, we went into uh, Nagalan. It was the first time I had met Merwin at the Irwin, and I was like, "Irwin, yay!" And I was, I was taking pictures, and it was so neat because I experienced it not alone, but yeah. with a member of my hood, which was really, really awesome. I just, you know, I, I'm just flipping over all these new ages. They're just so wonderful. Well, so. The, the one thing I'm really missing, and I, I guess mm-hmm. I'm, it's because I'm, I'm the perfectionist, and you know, nothing's perfect. There's always room for improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, m- most of all, the, the podcasts I assemble. You should hear me afterward. Well, I missed this, and I can see that was gone on this volume here. Anyway, on to the point. Um, I was going through the ages. I think I've played through them all, so I was going through Teladan again. And I went to the Baron's office. You come into this room, and there's stuff on the desk to look at. There's music playing. There's... This environment obviously has multi-facets, and that's one of those things I kind of wish we would get a little something more of in these all these additives. Like, you walk into an area, and you can tell there's a mood, a whole ambience set. It's it's the, like the feeling you get the first time you went into Kadisha's gallery. And you mm-hmm. hear that, you hear the ode to Kadish, and you go, oh, this is why I play Miss Games. Because <laughs> yeah. you see, like, they're, they're playing music here. There's stuff to look at, because they know I'm going to be here a while. You know, things like that. And that's the same thing with that office. You know that that desk has something on it for you to look at because they're playing music. And that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of what something I want them to really just, you know, I know they're saving it. Just give me a little taste, please. They're, you know, I'm just, I, every day I go back to the DRC site and I'm, I'm looking for, for Anone and I'm like, just keep swimming. Come on, come on, come on. Got bathing suit. Let's go. You know, I'm, I'm waiting. Speaking of the DRC site and... Uh, things coming or not coming. They're, what about the Rawa post? Ah, uh, the Rawa post. I, yeah, actually, uh, Moog found it. It's not even on me. No, he didn't. Found it. No, he didn't. Yeah. Why? Who found it? I don't know. Well, Moog found, found it. it. And I pointed, to, pointed, oh. uh, pointed it out to Moog at one point. Okay. he posted a thread on it. Uh, but he links to a post in the uh, DRC forums called Setting Expectations. It's under Out of Cavern Discussions, if you guys are searching for it right now. Rommel went through, and he really uh, drove the point home because people are really, you know, they're saying they're bored, and they're, they expected to have more, and they want, like, this, that, and the other, and they want it now, 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 now. He was talking about, he says, I don't think many people are really surprised to discover a disparity between marketing and reality in any setting, not just Uru. So setting one's expectations based solely or even mainly on marketing is very likely to be setting oneself up for disappointment. The guy is saying, hey, look, you can look at a photo mosaic and you see, uh, and you be zoomed in on it really, really close, and you'll see that it's made up of all these little bitty pictures. And then, but once you get out and away from it, it becomes even a larger picture. And you know, the fact that he said, you know, guys, you guys are looking at something at way uh, a way magnified view. You're right in it. But if you really step back and look at everything, that it's very poignant that you know things take time. And if you are that impatient. 
that's not a good thing. Don't set your expectations too high. Set them for the fact that you are just, you know, go with it. You know, you guys always hear me say, you know, I'm seeing, I'm watching it and seeing where it goes. This is exactly what Rob was said in his did you, post. Did you see his post ages ago about the carrot? The carrot? Yeah, people were complaining about, I think it was the, um, the demolish shard being opened and... You know, they were, they were kind of trickling out those little patches to, like, fix, thing, fix things up, but they weren't doing vault wipes and, you know, corrupted data in the vault, this and that. And people kept saying, well, you're dangling a carrot, and you're just dangling this rotted old carrot. And then Rawa came and took that symbolism and ran with it and said, well, you know, we're not telling you to follow this dead carrot that we have on a string in front of you. We are not dangling in front of you. If yeah. We are offering this carrot. If you want it, fine. If if not, go get a, a different carrot from somebody else if you want to. We we are fine with that. We are comfortable with that. We encourage you to do that. We don't want you to be unhappy. They said, right. but if we happen to you know open up shop with you know new carrots, we we, we hope that you'll come back and at least look then. Yeah. And that that was you know to me that that works. That's you know I I went in. And I spent as much time in Damala as I could tolerate with, you know, the flaws. Because, like, you know, when, when everyone slammed into it, it was just like, whoa, <laughs> this has lagged to the nth degree that I had never seen previous to that point. I just went in when I went in, got my satisfaction, my, my fill of Uru, and then, you know, now where we're at now. And you can pretty much jump in any time and expect to have an agreeable experience, I guess I'll put it that way. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we, we're the story, and they have to realize that, hey, you know what? If you're expecting them to, to spoon-feed you all of this, don't, because that's never been what Mist has been about, ever. Yeah, and, and a hologram now, well, unless it's the very end. Yeah. Tisha? Yeah. It makes more sense that she's a hologram, though, because she wouldn't be personally appearing, giving the exact same speech, and standing in the exact same doorway for... What well, she did for me. Yeah, she did for me too. <laughs> I know oh, what you talk about. Hologram. She she totally visited me. I don't buy you. I'm not special. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to sit in my rope and just cry about this for a few minutes. I'll be back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> too bad we can't like insert link noises in the middle of it. You know. <laughs> Unless someone can really do it, I I, I don't think I could accomplish it. I can't no, do it with I know my, I can't. My, my new mic right now. I'd have to switch all my sound around and stuff. You know, Yisha, she always appears at those times, and she always appears to welcome us. So I'm sure all the new explorers are going to be able to see Yisha and, and kind of get on that same wavelength with her. And just like she welcomes them, all of us at the TCT would like to welcome all of our new members to the cavern. And that wraps it up for uh, TCT Talk for Podcast 24. And this is... Janethus. Anthony. Alha. Dalkin Starbine. And me, Sherry, signing off. Hi, this is Mowak again, bringing you the fifth installment in our series, The Journals of Torineco, based on the in-character journals kept by explorer and TCT teammate Torineco during her adventures in Uru. As before, spoilers have been edited out. Each installment will cover a specific age. Last time we shared Tora's adventures in Edergira and Edergimo. In this chapter, we'll join Tora in Kadesh Tolesa. 
I'll be playing the part of the explorer who finds Torah's journals, and Sherry will portray Torah. So sit back and enjoy. For Uru veterans, think back to your own first time in the ages. And for new explorers, think of these journals as your preview to the wonderful adventures to come. I also remember Edgar Gira and Chemo very fondly. Although Gira could be a bit perilous with his lava pit and those confounded fireflies. Ah! Well, those ages were a true delight to explore, and I enjoyed them very much. Let's see here. Tora's next installment describes her adventures in Kadesh Talesa. Ah, Kadesh. I must admit that that age was the most challenging for me. It was very reluctant to give up its secrets, shall we say. All the same, I felt humbled by those magnificent trees, and sobered by the discovery of King Kadish himself, enslaved to his own wealth. Oh well, this isn't about my impressions of Kadish. Let's see what Torah had to say. Kadish Tolisa. It is beautiful. Mesmerizing. Kadish Tolisa is a forest of giant trees, and the light seems so purple here, like a permanent twilight. There are strange contraptions here, metal sculptures, and is this a telescope? A linking stone. It took me to yet another balcony, back to Relto, then Kadish. There's another linking book in Kadish. By the look of the book, this is another place in the cavern somewhere. Placing my hand on the linking panel, I link to what looks like some sort of art gallery with all the quiet, mysterious feeling of a temple. There are stained-glassed artwork on the wall. Some of the designs look very familiar. Spinning blocks with pictures on them, numbered one through five. Is this some sort of clue? And for what puzzle? Or is this just odd dunny art? Although I would like to know how these remain spinning after centuries without maintenance, I would have thought the power would have run down by now. So what powers it to make it last longer than the people? I took a moment to draw all the artwork designs that look like they could be useful. Never know when I'm going to run across a puzzle that these could very well be the answer to. Either that, or now I have some lovely designs to make up for the fact that I never brought my camera. Speaking of a camera, isn't my key supposed to take pictures? Now that all three viewers are set, the door has opened and I can proceed. What is it that Sandy said? Enter the tree? Well, this isn't quite what he meant. These buttons change the patterns of light on the floor. What is the purpose of this puzzle? What have I been told? What clues have I been given? Paths of light and dark. I have walked the path of light, but it does nothing and the door remains locked. So much for enlightenment. So the door in the wall leads nowhere. Secrets within secrets. I can see the sky and the tops of the giant trees, sun, moon, and forest. It is wondrous. Hooray! I figured out the camera function on my key. 
there's much to be said of photography, although I probably should not spend half an hour taking snapshots while on a journey. A relto page. It gives me a tree, but of course. A pyramid here? Did Kaddish know of Egypt? A pyramid of light and shadows. I walk the path of the trees. Never mind the pillar room. Suffice to say, I am glad I don't work out with those weights. Up the ladders. It's a long climb. Spectacular angle for a key shot, though. In the purple light, there is a building, a room, suspended in the air by many beams and spears of rock, almost as if the very stone grew those beams like tree branches to keep the vault held up, hung thousands of feet above the ground, like a stony spider web with its bounty captured in the center. I was right to call this a vault. It is a treasure hoard like that of a dragon, and its keeper died here. Like a circus acrobat walking on a wire, I balanced my way across the stone beam to the final journey door. Actually, a lie. I didn't walk, I crawled. I felt much safer on my hands and knees, less chance at losing my balance. I take the journey to the cave of the least again. One more story for Misha. The Barrow Cave. I take the final pillar, reflect on Yisha's words. She says I must give back what I have taken. The pillars? How will any of this help the borrow? I note the markings on the floor. Each time I come here, they look familiar. Now I remember. The image are in the cleft. If I can find a way back there, I will see if these symbols will give me another message. I must draw them. I take the final pillar, my hand against the glowing handprint. The pillar crumbles into stardust and slides into the abyss, and I jump into the stars after it. And so concludes another installment of The Journals of Torineco. Join us next time for the conclusion of the series. As always, we'd like to thank Cyan Worlds for the music and sound effects heard in these episodes. Thank you also to Tora Neko for writing the journals, to Sherry for providing Tora's voice, and to Moag for narration and assembly. Until next time, Shora. The Cavern Today is produced by a purely voluntary team comprising writers, reporters, actors, producers, and so forth. And the glue that holds us together aside from our friendship, is a common enthusiasm for the entire mist phenomenon. Few of us were chosen especially for our talents. For the most part, each of us simply volunteered and was put right to work. Here are Sherry, Janathus, and Lego Addict with some news on what it takes to join the cavern today. Um, hi. I, I was wondering if the cavern today had any positions that I could What credentials for. do you have? Well, uh, well, I... I I like to use Audacity. Sorry. We require an MIT or Oxford degree in sound editing, script writing, or journalism at minimum. Our standard is a PhD in any of the previous subjects. I have a grade 8 diploma. Uh-huh. Well, you could still apply via the internship. Okay. Uh, what do I have to do? You need to submit a resume, and then it will get lost for about two months. Next, someone will find it when they spill their coffee on it and wreck it. Finally, if you feel the need to submit it again, I wouldn't bother. It's likely to be rejected anyway. Oh, 
I, 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 I just forgot. I, uh, I have a meeting. I have a meeting with Shroom. Um, and I need to be there now. I got to go. Thanks for visiting the cavern today. Have a great day. Oh, my word. Do you really think that the cavern today is like this? Well, it's not. We've decided to skip the coffee stuff and the loss for two months thing. The cavern is now hiring, and we need you. So send in your resume, whatever it may be, today. Hello again. This is Moog for the cavern today. This is March 2007, and this means that I've been involved with The Cavern today for over a year and a half now. And in spite of my association with this podcast, and I'll emphasize the pod in podcast, I've never owned an iPod, or any other kind of MP3 player for that matter. I've always admired the industrial design of the iPod, in the same way that I admire all of Apple's products. But the expense, plus the nagging question, would I actually use one if I had it, always held me back. Until this past Sunday afternoon, that is. I'd been sitting on some Christmas gift money since December, and I just couldn't decide what to put it toward. And finally, a glance at the color advertisements in the Sunday paper pushed me over the edge. The 30-gig iPod video cost exactly what I had, and, of course, it was very, very shiny. So, Sunday afternoon, I visited the nearest Circuit City and sunk a large chunk of change into a very small box. It reminded me of when I bought my wife's engagement ring. And I must say that I'm just silly about this iPod. I've already pumped 505 songs into it, while making only a small dent in its total capacity. I have no doubt that it will let me fit my entire CD collection into my shirt pocket. And while I'm not the sort of person to go about my daily routine with a pair of earbuds pumping tunes into my noggin, I've used it at work, plugged into my PC speaker system, and during my morning walks with the earbuds. And, of course, having your music collection with you can give a whole new meaning to all that time you spend in the bathroom. Admit it, you've been there. All of which brings me around to the cavern today. Early on, I made a point of backing up each new TCT podcast to an audio CD for my archives. But after podcast 10 or thereabouts, I got out of the habit. Besides, our programs had started to get too big to fit on a standard CD unless I saved them as MP3s. Well, now my plan is to download every one of our programs since day one and put them all on my iPod. Normally, I might listen to each podcast only once or twice after its release and then move on to the next one. But during some recent visits to previous podcasts, I was reminded that we've done some really interesting stuff that's well worth hearing again. At the top of the list would have to be the Cyan interviews. We've spoken with Rand Miller three times, Rawa twice, Ryan Miller, Joshua Staub, Mark DeForest, Grey Dragon, and so on. We also have interviews with Trent Hershenson and Ron Miners of GameTap. So when you think about it, we've had one-on-one conversations with just about all of the main brains behind the Mist and Uru saga, and have enjoyed the privilege of picking those brains with questions we've written ourselves. Now that's huge. Not to mention all the dramas, the comedy sketches, the editorials, the original music, the news reports, the commentaries, and so forth. It's been quite a ride. So with that in mind, I want to listen to all of our podcasts again, from the very first one up to the latest. Maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but there have been some real gems among the more mundane features, and I can't help it, I want to hear them all again. Except for that Moog character, I don't get him at all. For The Gavern Today, this is Moog, signing off.
that about wraps it up for Podcast 24. Again, we'd like to thank all of our listeners, new and old. We truly enjoy bringing you this program each month. And now that Uru Live is a reality, we hope that you'll continue to welcome us into your Uru experience. Thanks also go to our regular staffers, Dalkin Starbine for the news and the interviews and TCT Talk, Sherry for That's Just Me, TCT Talk, and the recruitment ad, Lego Addict for adding his voice in the recruitment ad, Miles for TCT Tech and all that he does behind the scenes, Janathus for TCT Tech and producing, Anthony for the same, Alhan for his contribution to TCT Talk, Toraneko for her journal scripts, and Delanor for his music. Speaking for all the Cavern Today staff, this is Mowag. Until next time, Shorah.